<laughs> what? <laughs> how? Why? How could you not like it? I thought it was a bit over long. I don't really remember anything and... except that one scene. You only remember that one scene. <laughs> you don't remember. remember. You don't remember Paul Rudd lying on the bed, insisting that she check out the mole on his balls. How could I have forgotten How that? How could you have forgotten that? I think it's because. Far out. Today's been hard. I've had a hard day. Yeah, it's been it's been it's been a difficult one for it's both of us tough, actually. It's a toughie. Yeah. And now we're in a cupboard. We are, we're in my is, it's actually a high point for me. We're in my wardrobe. It's listeners. a very spacious wardrobe. Surrounded by We're sitting on chairs, not closet. Fewer clothes than you would imagine, given that it's a closet. No choice junk. pieces. Choice pieces. Capsule. Um, anyway, so today we're doing anti-rom-coms or... Or like romance, sad romances. Sad romances. <laughs> this is sort of the antidote to last week's Sacker and Sweet. Yeah, which they was all just happily ever after. A bubbling bowl of treacle. Yeah, but who can deal with all that optimism? It's actually, it's funny because I think I was starting to tell you and then you said save it for the podcast but I think I was starting to tell you that I actually avoid watching things that end, end badly because you know I already know what that's like on a personal level so I avoid those kinds of films and the ones that I do watch tend to end with a great amount of love like but of maybe of a different kind than romantic love if you know what I mean what kind of love I don't know. What have you? What have you got? <laughs> like a more mature, respectful, not so much respect. I don't know. I don't know how to. I don't know. I've never experienced it, so I don't know what you okay. call it. I guess maybe it's not love so much as respect. I love a cathartic cry. I'm quite a crier, and I'm a bit of a leaky faucet. Yeah, and I do enjoy movies that I sort of know from the outset are going to really, you know, are going to be kind of brutal on me. I don't like being wrecked. Sometimes, I don't, what I don't always like is when I don't expect it and then it hits me. Yeah, that's bad. It's it's like double bad. That's kind of horrible. But movies that I sort of know going into it are going to be tear jerkers, I enjoy for their jerkiness. I like the the jerk, as it were. Yeah, like <laughs> <clears throat> My ex boyfriend <laughs> and this. So, it's the joy we'll be bringing you today. So, what's your first movie on your list? My first movie is La La Land. It famously did not win the Oscars of Best Picture. Oscar loser. Uh, Oscar, 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 Oscar runner up, La La Land. Yeah. I wouldn't say I really adored this movie top to bottom as a film. It has many elements that I greatly enjoy, however. Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone are on their way to becoming one of those iconic screen couples, I think. Like we talked about last week, like Kathleen Turner and Michael Douglas. Um, They made... Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy. Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy, exactly. They made a great 
sort of sort of rom com, sort of just like comedy drama, crazy Musical. stupid love. Oh yes, no yes, yeah. yes, yes. They made that together. I really like that movie a lot. Sort of doesn't primo lines in there. Really. Fuck. Seriously, it's like you're photoshopped. So good, and I really like it when Steve Carell. I mean, he's done a lot of it now, but that was sort of at the beginning of Steve Carell's moving away from his like, you know, playing the drip all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and taking on something with a bit more kind of heft to it, and I I do like that. But anyway, I really liked that movie. They re-team for La La Land, um, and it's sort of the story of two people trying to make it in Hollywood, and actually ultimately making it. Yeah. I mean, it's an yeah. it's an interesting Hollywood film in that way, and that they both actually get what they want, except each other. Except each other. Yeah, I that that film is like in my top ten films of all time. Is it? Yeah, because if you yeah. I don't know why. It just every it's just every single thing that I love. It's a film about Hollywood. It's a musical. Yeah. It's got Ryan Gosling and yeah. Stone in it. It's just like yeah, everything I love. I love all these movie. things too. And it I'm I'm not sure why for me that movie didn't quite feel like the sum of its parts. Because I also like all of those things in a movie. Mm. But that, I, I mean, just for that scene in the at Griffith Observatory in the planetarium. Yeah, it is a great scene. God damn. It's what I did really love about this movie was the end, which is mm. what a lot of people didn't like. But I thought like the last half hour of this film was the best part of it. Yeah, it was fantastic. That that whole montage of the relationship and the life that they could have had. Yeah. And then that's all on their faces. <laughs> oh, oh no. Well, I'm just thinking about it. That's all on their faces at the end. Is just it, like yes. Great face acting. Yeah. And um and that montage scene is just so well done. Like mm. it's so well put together. The the directing and the cinematography in that yeah. scene yeah. is yeah. is exceptional. The, whole, the, the directing and cinematography of the whole film is just like yeah. outstanding. Yeah. So what happens at the end of La La Land and this is a spoiler alert, so if you haven't seen it and don't want to know Where have you been? Where have you been? But also skip over this yeah. part. What happens at the end is that you see there's a sort of not really a fantasy sequence like a kind of alternative reality sequence that's my daughter what was I? oh yeah yeah what would you call it a fantasy sequence it's more yeah, like, like al- a fantasy like, sequence yeah, yeah but it's kind of like an alternative yeah. reality or, or in a way been, right could have like, should have yeah, been yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, where it's sort of looks like they're gonna be together and then it and then they're not. It's so good. It's weird that I find that so good because yeah, I I like avoid sadness. I think something that runs a th- like last week we both had threads that ran through our films. Yeah. I think the thread that runs through all of my films this week is that these sort of capsule relationships in a way that have like a time limit on them sort of thing and then they kind of and then they come to an end that's sad but there's also sort of bittersweetness about it yeah because it's an organic ending it's not like somebody behaved like a jackass exactly yeah Yeah, and it's not like someone it's not like either or both of them is left like completely ruined by it you know Mm. it's not like this just took everything out of you and now you're a shell of the person that you once were Mm. it's like 
it was a beautiful thing and it came to a natural end and the characters might not be entirely happy about that but they do kind of accept their relationship for the beautiful thing that it was. Yeah, it's like part of their learning process about who they are that yeah. they have this relationship. Yeah. I think that's a common thread in the films that I picked as well because it's the only, that's what I was kind of getting at about how they come out of the other end with a different kind of love. Like they still love each other. They're not... It's it's interesting hearing you say that that you originally told me that you were, that you thought about doing Lars and the Real Girl. <laughs> well, that was mostly because I was trying to find something different, but but Matt, now but I, said, I maybe... said, and he dumped the doll. Yeah, he dumped the it. doll. Yeah. Maybe I, you know, because at the time I was like, no, because it's not really the same. But because he comes out of it like a better person and that kind of stuff. But maybe that was unfair of me because maybe the same thing I happens think there is, in my it is movies. Kind of, it is a similar thing. Except, yeah, she's like an inanimate object that he's turned into a person. Lies and the Real Girl is about... Oh, it's such a beautiful film. It's a great film. It's 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 almost, You almost shouldn't describe it because yeah, it sounds so ridiculous. It does sound ridiculous. I remember I went with my best mate and I came out of it going, that was beautiful. And she came out of it going, that was stupid. Oh, did she? Yeah, and I was like... I don't know what to say because I'm sort of deeply moved and having all kinds of feelings and she was just like, I hated it, it was gross. She couldn't get past the doll thing. Yeah, so I mean it is like at a surface level, and not even at a surface level, Yeah, it is about a guy who has a sort of emotional relationship yeah. with a it is, it's quite cool. blow up sex doll. She, well she's one of those real like real, real life dolls, dolls those, those yeah. big silicone like, yeah. 10 grand hyper real things and but it's very clearly played for like it's an emotional attachment he's not like it's not grim. it's not a kink it's maybe. not grim yeah it's not yeah, yeah. he yeah. doesn't have sex with a doll no. <laughs> that's what you're worried about he might have I don't know but it's not shown on screen anyway yeah and I'm gonna edit this all out <laughs> this is making me very uncomfortable <laughs> Lies and the Real Girl it's a good movie it's, it's not. It's, it's, a, it's Ryan Gosling again. It is. La La Land. I guess in that vein, what I like, what I really appreciate about La La Land is that um, they they don't wind up together, and they both get what they want out of their careers. And Emma Stone's character also gets what she wants out of her personal life. Mm. It's not so clear that Ryan Gosling's does. Oh. Because I think he's, do you think? I think that the 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 sense of like his whole thing with with jazz and like he wants to be this sort of vaguely tortured artist. So the fact that he's got this one, this great one that got away, is sort of part of his. Maybe yeah. They get what they want professionally, and they don't wind up together. But it's not that. It's not this tortured thing of, like, I have to choose one over the other. Like, I can't be with you and have the career that I want. Like, you know, my my life can only take me in one direction or the other. And I quite like that about the, about that movie. I feel like it could have easily played it like that. Mm. But it didn't, you know? Yeah. Like, it's their relationship is a separate thing from their other ambitions or pursuits. And obviously they weave into each other in certain ways but it's not like it's not like there's a big dramatic scene where one of them is like you're holding me back yeah and, yeah, yeah. and do you think that's why people were so confused about them not ending up together because there's a feeling of like oh but if you 
just got back together now, everything would be great. Yeah. Don't you? And then my experience of this film would be better. I actually was like that when I, I mean, I wasn't exactly like, why don't you end up together? But I definitely thought that was what was going to happen. And then I got to the end and I was like, wow. You know, I, yeah, I sort of, yeah. I, like I remember sort of, I remember sitting there like, is that really? Is that what happened? Really? They didn't? Like, yeah, yeah, because yeah. It, it doesn't have the natural arc, I think, that you would expect yeah. of a movie like that. It feels like... And because it's riffing on all those 40s rom-com musicals, scribble musicals, and that kind of stuff, where they do always end up together. So, yeah. yeah. And, and and you're right. Part of the reason that it feels like that is because it's like, oh, now you've got everything where you want it in your lives. Now you can just get back together and it'll be fine. Yeah. But, but it's much more true. It's much more realistic mm. to say, but no, but your relationship didn't work. And it would yeah. be it would be what a traditional rom-com would do, would be to say, oh, forget the fact that they had all of these problems, you know. Yeah. Somehow they're just going to get back together and everything's going to be fine yeah, and yeah. they're not going to have to do any work on it and it's all and one person's just going to make like a nice little three-minute speech, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that'll be it and they'll be back together and live happily ever after. And it... it, it yeah, after you get over the initial shock of them not getting back together, it does feel quite honest and real. Yeah. And then you know that they still have... They're still connected in that way. And the thing is that, like, if you... The thing I love about it, and it's the same thing that I love in this, the, my first film that I'm going to talk about in a second, is that if you want to imagine that 20 years down the line they, they find each other again and they finally have that relationship they should have had you hope they would have had a long time ago. You you can believe it happens. You can believe that they could be like friends forever, and that's more important and more. Yeah, yeah. And it's you, you know I think everyone has a relationship like that that you look. It's not necessarily like no, the one no, who no, got away. No, let me stop you there. Not everyone has that. But go on. I think some people people. have the experience of having a relationship that you look back on and it's not exactly like I wish I was still with you or I wish I'd never broken up with you, but it's like I look back on you and our time together fondly. Hmm, that must be nice. (laughs) Let's move on to your first film. Lucky them. (laughs) I think maybe that's why I'm quite maybe that's why I'm quite drawn to these kinds of films because that that is a bit of a fantasy (laughs) to me. Anyway Less about me, more about the movies. Casablanca is my first pick. Talk about movies that make you cry. And laugh. You know, that movie is so funny is. as well. Well, one character is funny. Claude Rains is fantastic in that film. Oh, he's and, so um, good. With his little pack cap and that jaunty angle. And I just love him. And that is another film that I think people have very strong feelings about the ending of. But for me, that the ending, I don't know if. Should, do we need to recap? Do you think we need to recap Casablanca? Doesn't everybody know how Hasn't everyone goes? seen Casablanca? Do you, you want to give, so? it, like a, give it like a 15 second plot summary? Anyway, Rick runs a cafe in Casablanca. In the, sto- in the sort of fantasy World War II that this story is set in, Casablanca is kind of like a exit point for people escaping Europe. Um, and it's being run by Vichy France, which... And the Nazis don't really have a lot of power there. You know the feeling when you listen back to something you recorded a few days ago and realise it's garbled nonsense? Well, that's the feeling I'm having right now. And it's very much kind of a fantasy version version of, of Morocco and Casablanca. But anyway, um, and 
I don't know why I struggled to succinctly sum up the plot of Casablanca, except to say that it's it's one of my favourite films and every frame is a treasure to me. Anyway, what I should have said is it's World War Two. Expat American Rick Blaine, played by Humphrey Bogart in what is probably his most famous role, runs a nightclub in Casablanca. It's Rick's Cafe American. Now, folks fleeing the fighting in Europe are using Casablanca as a backdoor to the relative safety of the US. So who should come knocking on that back door but Rick's old flame, Elsa, played by the luminous Ingrid Bergman. Ilsa isn't alone, however. She's with her husband, Czech freedom fighter Victor Laszlo, and played by Paul Henreid. The Germans are hot on his tail. Ilsa wants Rick to help get them both out of Africa so that Victor can continue his fight against the Nazis. She uses their connection to convince Rick to help Victor, reigniting their romance along the way. The pair plan to run away together. But at the last moment, Rick realises the best way he can help Laszlo is to let Ilsa go. So he sacrifices himself so they can escape. That's what I should have said, and it'd be really nice if we could all just pretend that I did. And, um, oh no, I can't do it. This is terrible. I can't sum it up. What is going on? I'm like, so what Casablanca is really famous for, and even people who haven't seen it know the final shots of the movie, right? Right. So they're on the tarmac. Rick and Elsa are about to take off to America together. He's going to just ditch Africa and run off into the sunset with her. Or fly. Fly off into the sunset together. And then Humphrey Bogart does his fantastic Hill speech. Inside of us, we both know you belong with Victor. You're part of his work, the thing that keeps him going. If that plane leaves the ground and you're not with him, you'll regret it. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon and for the rest of your life. But what about us? We'll always have Paris. We didn't have, we, we lost it until you came to Casablanca. We got it back last night. I said I would never leave you. And you never will. But I've got a job to do, too. Where I'm going, you can't follow. What I've got to do, you can't be any part of. Ilza, I'm no good at being noble, but it doesn't take much to see that the problems of three little people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. Someday you'll understand that. Ah, no. He's looking at you, kid. Let's hear go off with Victor Laszlo to safety in America while he stays behind with Claude Rains and has a beautiful friendship. <laughs> so Maybe. Or maybe he, they end so up he, he, but, <laughs> yeah. he, Humphrey Bogart sacrifices his own his, happiness. happiness for her and the, and the greater good, which is yeah, the, res- the resistance. The resistance, but... Yeah, the resistance, and I mean, he. It's 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 one of the things that's so heartbreaking and beautiful about the end of that movie is that it's not what either of them wants. Like he's not really giving her what she wants, but he's and he's definitely not not, not getting what he. He's wants. definitely not getting what he wants, but, but it is kind of the only thing that can happen. That's the, the the only yeah good, right thing the only do. right thing to do. The thing about it is that you, and it is, but gusting is. But gusting, gust those butts. It is gut bustingly like, yeah. 
it's brutal. It's so brutal. But it's also like... That speech is so famous, that Hill of Bean speech, because it is utterly beautiful writing. So beautiful. So beautiful. That last shot of him and Claude Rains and the this could be the beginning of a beautiful friendship is when like, they both because it's also his redemption. It's also Claude Rains' character's redemption because he he's got a gun on them and he's waiting for the Nazis. He's like, "You guys are going to stay right here till the Nazis turn up." And in the last moment, he lets her and Victor Laszlo go as well and puts himself in the firing line as well, doesn't he? He does. Why can I not sum up that movie? It's, it's like every second of that film is so important. Every line. There's not there's not one line. Join us next week when Kylie will do a frame by frame <laughs> recap <laughs> of Casablanca. I have I actually years and years and years ago I did a Robert McKee writing course in London and the last day of that course, it's a three day course, and the last day of the course he basically does a frame by frame of Casablanca. It is the most intense. Like by the end of it, you're just like sweating bullets, and it's and he actually sings on the podium as time goes by, and I was there with like a very good friend, like one of my best mates, and we were both just like not looking at each other because we would have both just burst into tears. It's very intense, and so I just feel like every single frame of that movie is like a. I mean, it's kind of true. It is. It is. It is a masterpiece. Yeah. It's an unequivocal yeah. masterpiece, and the end is amazing, and the love story is so beautiful. And yeah, it's, it's just a story. It's about redemption so intense. and yeah, and about sticking it to Nazis, which is also one of my favorite things. And so I think it's great. that movie more maybe than any of the others. That we're talking about is one where you go, oh, I really wish that that was together at the Oh, no, actually, one of mine is worse for that. But Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. But that is really a movie where you're like, you're not like, it's not like La La Land where you're like, it's okay, like, everyone's happy, it's good, they had a beautiful thing and their lives will continue. It's like, you should be together. <laughs> Do you know, I wrote fan fiction about that film. Did you? I did. Well, it was actually more like, I wrote about What's-His-Face and... Rick going off and joining like the resistance in North Africa and blowing shit up. Amazing. <laughs> it's terrible. I'm sure it's terrible. But it's very early, early fan fiction work. So if you want to talk about a film that's um, launched 10 million fanfics, <laughs> then maybe my next pick is a good one to discuss. Should we move on? Or yeah, are you, are no, you no, done I'm with done. Linker? I'm done. So my next movie, I had to talk about it, obviously, Kylie, didn't I? I mean, I couldn't not put this in my mix. I can't remember what it is. <laughs> is. My brains. Oh, my God. How could I have forgotten this film? I clearly have to talk about this movie. See, I have to clear everything out of my mind when I'm about to think about this film because it's another one that has, is a frame-by-frame frame masterpiece. Yeah, it is a frame-by-frame frame masterpiece. It is <clears throat> Call Me By Your Name. <laughs> Which stars, listeners, one young... Skinny Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, so floppy. So floppy. And floofy. Uh, yeah, it's actually more floofy than floppy in this movie. Yeah, there's quite a lot of floppy. I would say more floofy. More floofy than flop. Um, it stars a young skinny Timothy Chalamet as a the um, Italian American son of a uh, college professor takes place in the mid-1980s and there's a tradition that they have where they go to their big country house in Italy in the summer and they and his college professor dad invites an American graduate student over to spend the summer with them and like do some work for him or whatever. 
this summer that graduate student is one Mr. Blonde. Army Hammer. Giant. Giant of a man. Man Mountain. Army Hammer. Um, with who? AKA, best name in Hollywood. Oh, is it what? Like, Astounding. It's, that's, that's really his name. It's a real life person's name. <laughs> and so over the course of this movie, the two of them, it's sort of like a sexual awakening, but also like coming beautiful first love coming of age thing. Oh, they, it's, film it's, it's it. the, probably the most sensual film ever shot. I mean, the so whole much. sensual. I no, please stop saying This that. whole movie just drips with desire. You know, like every single longing shot of this movie. Yeah. Yearning. Yearning. There is much it's yearning. A lot of yearning. And then there's some quite hot guy in great action, which is, you know, always a, always a bonus. Also, Army Hammer dancing to 80s music. Army Hammer dancing to the psychedelic furs. That's right. That's a, that's a thing to behold. That is a thing to behold. We're going to put that in the show notes. Yeah. So you can behold it. Yeah. Yes, definitely do that. <laughs> Um, he's spoken at length about how much he detested that scene. He was like, that yeah. scene was the worst, way harder than any of the love scenes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he really hated it. Why? Um, actually, reading him talking about that scene taught me something I didn't know before, which is that, and I, I don't know why, when they do dance scenes in movies, oh, they don't, they the don't have the music. Right. So there's just like a click track, so you have to dance to just that. And then, I don't know, Army Hammer's like enormous and... Ungainly. Ungainly. And he looks so gainly, though. <laughs> Does anybody ever say gainly? Gain- yeah, it's one of those things, like, you can be ruthless, but can you have... Do you ever say of someone, she has much ruth? Yeah. Ken- unkempt is the other Yeah. Name. Do you say kempt? She's so kempt. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, so over the course of the movie, they fall in love with each other. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. And then at the end, Army Hammer, because he's only there for the summer... Wrecks him! ...has to leave. And Army Hammer leaves. And then Timothy Chalamet <laughs> spends the entire end credits crying into a fireplace, which is pretty much how I ended watching that movie also. <laughs> what that movie makes me want to do, yeah. cry into a fireplace. Just gut sobbing <clears throat> in a cinema you have, waiting for the You have to watch this out. movie, you have to watch it all the way to the very end of that bit because there's this awesome moment right before the end of the credits where Timothy Chalamet breaks the fourth wall, just like flicks his eyes away to the camera. I may or may not have watched this. I had no idea about that. Go home, look up the end credits to Call Me By Your Name, watch the whole Call Me By Your Name, and when you get to the end... No, I don't think I need... I don't want to. Just watch the end credits. Just watch the end credits. Watch Timothy Chalamet cry into the... (laughs) Watch Timmy cry! Watch Timmy cry. We're going to put that on a T-shirt. And then flick his, and then flick his eyes off into the camera because it's amazing. But anyway, what makes this such a great sad romantic movie is that both the romance and the sadness are perfect. Like, the, it, it's it's it spends a lot of time getting to them, even realising so they have time. feelings just, for each other. Yeah, Probably the whole really first half dance of the film. around it for such a long time. And it takes, I think, it, I mean, you see it from the perspective of it's quite a Timothy tense. Chalamet's character, and it takes him a long time to even figure out yeah. his own feelings. It's quite feelings. a tense film in that regard. It is. you know that it's coming. I don't know. You, you yeah. know it's coming. There's no... Yeah. The, the film is... 
that word that Emily was saying before that I won't say. It's so much like that that it takes. You, you know that there's that. That is coming. It takes place in the Italian countryside in the middle of summer, it's and it's hot. It's as hot, and all of the colours are like kind of yeah. There's a lot of near nudity. There's much like poolside languishing. Sort of yeah, langa you know, is the word for that. Langa, yeah, yeah, kind of. Also, Army Hammer does really good, like sort of slightly sweepy up a bit. I'm sorry. Um, possibly the f- best first kiss in the history of film. I can't even speak. <laughs> so that that whole part's really well done. The <clears> actual <throat> like the the romance part is really beautiful. It does take them a long time to get there. When they do, it feels really honest and earned. And then the sad part because so you know that they're going to get together, but you also know. That army hammer's gonna leave. Like Yeah, I mean yeah. That's it's set up that way, but also it's the eighties. There's not gonna be any riding off into the sunset. That's right. That's right. Because there wasn't for any gay guys. Interestingly, the movie doesn't directly address the fact of it being a homosexual love affair, except I guess for the fact that it it takes them both a lot longer to get there. And they have to keep have. it a secret. They and they keep it a secret. secret. Yeah. But um, but there's no addressing of it. There's no... I don't think anyone says the word gay. They don't talk about it. They don't discuss the fact that, that they're doing something, you know, quote unquote bad or whatever or abnormal. They don't discuss that at all. No. No one talks about AIDS or anything like that. Doesn't what does his dad say in the conversation they have at the end? Oh, yeah. Michael Stolberg. How did Michael Stolberg not even get nominated oh, for an Oscar no. for that he's role? So good, he's so is. good, and that speech it just has best supporting actor written all over it. Yeah, it's beautiful. So Michael Stolberg plays the the professor Timothy Chalamet's character's father, and he at the end of the movie, not long before the oh, well, between the speech and the crying into the fireplace comes that phone call. The oh, phone call wrecks you more call. than the crying into the fireplace. The phone call is when it all just goes completely. Yeah. But anyway, so Michael Storberg gives this beautiful speech where he's essentially the the gist of the speech is I know what went on between the two of you and it was beautiful and amazing and you should hold on to this pain that you're feeling because it's better than feeling nothing. Like yeah. don't Which don't that actually that wrecked me a lot. That that speech was oh. Oh, it's so beautiful! It's so caring, and I just spent the last twenty minutes of this movie great parenting and amazing parenting, incredible, incredible parenting. I spent the last twenty minutes of this movie like just the first time I saw it. I don't even think I could see properly. I was crying so hard, (laughs) like I was like ugly crying, like you know. And you kind of get over that. You get to the end of that speech, and it's like, oh, okay, that's done. And then you get the phone call. Anyway, so it's got all of the romance. It's got all of the sad. And it's got it, the most yeah beautiful scenery, the beautiful everything you everything you could want from a film. Everything, yeah. And like La La, or much more so, really, I think than La La Land, it's a movie where um you want to think that in the future, they like you desperately mm. want to imagine that they're going to be together in the future, but you sort of know that you know that they're not. They're not. <laughs> you know that they're not. Oh God! Incidentally, folks, the audio book. Because it's it's an adaptation of a book by someone whose name I don't remember. Andre Asimov. Of course you do. And the audio, audio version. Would you of like the book, to know exactly how many pages? <laughs> <is>? <laughs> I 
Yes, how many pages? <laughs> um, and the audio book version is read by Army Hammer. And let me tell you, that's a fun time. I've never listened to it. It's good. It's very good. I'm going to do Power walking too. <gasps> power. Emotional power walking. It's great. Okay. Have you got anything else to say about that? Film? I could talk about it. I know. That just like, we're just years. both just gazing off into the middle distance. <laughs> just being like me. Having a moment. Oh, I feel like anything that comes after that is going to be is a big letdown. But my second movie is Shakespeare in Love. Oh, God, I didn't know that was coming. Because I just, I was thinking about that thread, about the endings where people, where the couple was is separated by forces beyond their control. Mm. When I went to see that film, I left the cinema and literally walked home from Clapham to my house in Clapham North gut sobbing the entire way I don't know why it hit me so hard because most people think it's kind of trash that film now you like a bit of Gwyneth I do I love my Gwynny I don't love Goop I don't love any of that nonsense I love love a bit of Joseph Fiennes he's so great in that film and the film was written by Tom Stoppard so it's you know it's smart in a very yeah it knows it's smart way yeah kind of erudite and tricky and it has an excellent cameo from well not really cameo small role played by Ben Affleck he's so good he's so good in that movie yeah Ben Affleck's good though Ben Affleck gets a bad rap because I won't hear um, I won't hear a word again yeah I'm with you I'm with you and also he should still be Batman anyway moving right along so I can't I can't sum up movies today I just can't sum them up but anyway Joseph Wines plays Shakespeare and Gwyneth Paltrow plays a middle-class daughter of an upwardly mobile family who's very, very beautiful, and it's Elizabethan England, so her only job is to get married to someone and look pretty. But she secretly wants to be... She's secretly really moved by plays and poetry, and she wants to be a part of the theatre world. So she sneaks off dressed as a boy, Thomas Kent. Mm Mm-hmm. And ends up getting a role in Shakespeare's new, as yet only partially written play, Violet, Queen of the Gypsies or something along those lines, yeah. Yeah. Which is in the process of morphing into Romeo Romeo and Juliet. Juliet. And she plays, she's going to play Romeo. So it's one of those, it has that funny little element of like, woman playing a man, playing a woman. And it's it's all, so it kind of uses lots of tropes from Shakespeare's plays and, and Elizabethan plays in general Rupert Everett pops up as oh god as, I love that man as Kit Marlowe I adore him it's very kind of knowing yeah yeah it's I and I am a nerd so I like all that oh yeah yeah but anyway she ends up Shakespeare realizes she's really a girl and they fall in love and there's a lot of classic Elizabethan farsi type things happen yeah and the end result is that they end up playing Romeo and Juliet <clears throat> in the globe and it's going to be their very last time together because she's been married off to the Colin Earl, Colin Firth in a rare rat bag role yeah and that's right and then and yes and Elizabeth first Judy Dench turns up as Elizabeth the first who has to judge whether or not you can really show true love in a play and she sits through And this. one of the most ridiculous plot points yeah, ever devised. It's so cute. I love it. <laughs> it's so... It's cute. 
I find that it is cute. Anyway, and so she sits through this this premiere debut performance of Romeo and Juliet with these two people who are desperately in love with each other and are going to be parted forever and ever with no hope of ever seeing each other again because Violet Delisips is being whisked away to Virginia at the end of the play. And yeah, and it's very, very poignant. And at the end, he dedicates Twelfth Night. It's Twelfth Night he's writing at the end to her because Viola, of course, from Twelfth Night. But anyway. But she's gone. And she's gone. And he imagines her ship sinking and her being the hero that rises out of the deep and Kylie cries. That's such an interesting choice because more than any other movie we're going to talk about today, it's a comedy. Yeah. Far more. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a piss take from start to, to almost yeah. to finish. Yeah. That very... It is a farce. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's Tom Stoppard. Of course it is. Yeah. Um, so it's but it, it is kind of now that film people think it's kind they think it's ludicrous or it's a bit. I think the thing with that, I think there's two particular things that people associate with that film now that gives it a bad rap. One of which is entirely unfair on the movie, which is Gwyneth Paltrow's f-ing ridiculous Oscar acceptance speech. So Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, was it for that film? won an Oscar for Shakespeare in Love and she cried hysterically on the podium and she cried like I cried when I was when you watched that movie yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so I maybe I thought it was an it wasn't like gentle like into a fireplace crying it's not a cry it's not a competition it's not a tear competition It was quite over the top. It she, was ridiculous. She really lost it. It was ridiculous. And people laughed at her. Was he dead sick at that time, though? Was there something else maybe, going on? Look, I mean, you know, who knows how you'd actually act if you won an Oscar? Maybe... <laughs> like would be screaming. It's, it's a stupid thing to judge her for, and it's an even stupider thing to judge the film for. But was it a little bit of a case of, like, people thinking... Because she's good in that film, and she, she gets about with a moustache on, and, and it doesn't look ridiculous, but... <laughs> She, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure it's an Oscar-worthy performance. Well, that's a whole different is that, conversation. Is that, is that what people are really? And then she maybe, on there, maybe the they're like, you shouldn't have won an Oscar for it anyway. And then I can't remember if she was up against that year. It was, mm. was probably a little bit before I got really deeply into. Yeah, I barely remember stuff it. like that. But she won an Oscar <coughs> for it, and she, she gave wore a ridiculous. That pink dress, right? Yes, yes, she wore that kind no, of crazy the dress. prom dress. Barely remember the speech. Bubblegum pink, like spaghetti strap. Oh, kind of. Stop hating on her. She's lovely. I couldn't wear that dress. I really wish she'd never done that goop thing, though. That's just God Almighty. Jade eggs up your proof. No thanks. Anyway. It's another another conversation for a different day. But I think the other thing about Shakespeare in Love is that I don't think it's aged well. And I think it reads really twee now. I love twee. Okay. There's nothing wrong with twee per se. But, you know, you're like, why does it get a bum rap? I don't think you did say why. I think I just decided to tell you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Crushed. <laughs> I, I like twee and I like that film. Mostly because I know the references and I seldom do. Yeah, it, I like that too. I, I like being made to feel smart by yeah. movies, for sure. Um, I like trying to look at the is, people next to me and go, oh, 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 oh. It is um, a brave romantic comedy. 
that doesn't have the character yeah, adapted at the end. Yeah, and that's why I brought it up here. Yeah, and not just it's a great choice. Did you talk about Joseph Fiennes? I was just about to talk about Joseph Fiennes because he's actually super unlikable in that film. He's often unlikable. But I watched him. I mean, Handmaid's Tale. Oh, yeah. And I still kind of would. I know. I'm so glad you said that because I was thinking, and I was like, I'm not going to say that about Handmaid's Tale. But don't forget he did that weird thing that got slammed. A film where he played, it never made, I don't think it ever got released, where he played Michael Jackson. Oh my God, I totally forgot about that. And the pictures were out there for you to I, see. I, like, buried that in a corner of my brain. <laughs> Way down deep. I didn't but want I can, to I cannot that get again. that picture out of my head or him dressed as Michael will we, Jackson. Will we put it in the show notes? Yeah, I think we will because you need to see it. And, and it was it was, it was a dramatisation of that I legendary totally story. I forgot about that. About Elizabeth Taylor, Michael oh Jackson gosh. and Marlon Brando That's right. driving How from Las Vegas else, to Los Angeles. There was another... Decently big name in that movie, but I can't remember who it was now. Somebody was, was saying, it whoever played Elizabeth Taylor. I can't remember who played Elizabeth Taylor, but I'm pretty I'm sure it up. was Brian playing Marlon Brando. Brian Cox. Brian Cox. Playing. He would make a good Marlon Brando. He would. He would. But that's maybe that. Maybe I just made that part up. I can see him playing Brando. Yeah, I think maybe they miscast him as um, in Handmaid's Tale because, as you say, oh, I don't think he's miscast. I think he's good in it. It's just. Oh, you mean because you can't make me right. not want to shag him? Stockard Channing. Right, that's right. Yes. Yeah, that's that's a bizarre moment in film really, history. Really weird. It was. I don't think they made a whole film. It was like a. It was like an anthology film, wasn't it? And that was one of the. Yeah, that sounds right. Anyway, we'll link to that in the show notes. So it can haunt your dreams too. Yeah, I would like to see more of Ben Affleck pretending to be English. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Like oh, that's a lie. I wouldn't. I actually wrote a whole thing, a defensive Ben Affleck. Did you? You might pop that in the show notes as well. Yeah, good. We should. Great. Yeah, I think he's, he's great. worthy of it. I didn't think that Argo should have won Best Picture at the Oscars, but apart from that, oh, really? that film is really good, except for the bit where they pretend that we didn't help people and um, yeah, except and, for the whole <laughs> except like, for the whole the whole thing where it's historically it's inaccurate. Totally inaccurate. Yeah, New Zealanders helped them. <laughs> Just FYI. But anyway, ah, <laughs> um, uh, go for yourself. <laughs> Genius! He's a really good filmmaker. The town, the town is a fantastic film as well. Yes, I like the town. I like the town yeah. more than Argo. Yeah, and the town is, is much the town's a really good film. Do you know who's awesome in that movie? Is Blake Lively. She should do more stuff like that. She's really good. She's good at everything. Oh, did you see Another that one, one she did last year with um, Anna Kendrick? Yes. How oh, good was that movie? She was <gasps> so good in that film. She played two roles that in that film. That is such a sexy movie. Oh, it's my super, God. Super good. I Every loved it. Every single thing that she wears in that film is like... Yes. A the, plus. She wears a like... triple plus. What she wears like called? suits. It was called A Simple Favour. Was it that movie's called a simple favor. Well, you know what? I think that name is dumb, and that's probably why it didn't do as well as it could. I think I it, that, I I really wanted to see that film, but I liked it more than I thought I would. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Right. I thought it was going to be much because it's a it's a thriller. Yeah. And I thought it was going to be a thriller, but I thought it was going to be way comedy. darker. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's also, also really comedy. funny and kind of absurd. Mm. Like as you get in, as you start to realize what's actually going on. I'm not 100 percent sure that they got the tone of the absurdist 
humor. Yeah, I think you might be right. I think at the end you were like, you're just kind of like, this is wild. Yeah, you know, this is a yeah, maybe because it it, they play it a little bit probably too much for laughs at the end. Yeah, when it has felt quite tense. And she is quite a sinister character. She's quite sinister. I thought that the the reveal about Anna Kendrick's character was a bit ridiculous. Her dark. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about yeah, no, that was it's that a was bit really cringy and like super cringe. Yeah. Although, funny aside, the guy who plays her brother is from my favourite episode of Supernatural. Ghost Facers. Have you seen that? No. Do you seen watch the show? It's no. Supernatural is a great TV show, but the best episode of a very great TV show is Ghost Faces, and if you haven't watched it, you should. Okay. It's so good. You should also watch A Simple Favour, because well, um, you, get to see, you get to see Black Lively, Pash, Anna Kendrick, and Henry Golding in that movie. So there's, you know, there's that's money, solid. Where there's money well spent. That's solid. Right, so your second? Third. Third film. My third film is... Ghost. Oh my god, a classic. It's such a classic. This is a this is a film that I think has aged really well. I yes, love I this watched movie. It in, um, I watched Ghost. I watched Ghost like every maybe eighteen months or two years. It's a movie I like to revisit. One of the saddest facts of my life is that as a child, as a young woman in the eighties, I never appreciated Patrick Swayze. It's only now. Oh. I did not find him attractive. There was too much mullet. Oh, and I couldn't cope with the mullet. I'm so sorry for you. Yeah, it was it was it was bad. And and now I look back and I was like, oh, what a gift he could have been to me. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, no, but not. Yeah. But you no. really you did not not even the scene no. in Dirty Dancing where him and Jennifer no. Grey are like oh, crawling no. towards each other on the floor. No, that I didn't was do like, it for get, you. Get away from her. <laughs> no. Oh no. wow, your incipient teenage sexuality was really yeah, different it was to mine. Very, very, very much like no, anyway, we won't talk about that. But move on. <laughs> so Ghost is is a film about a man who is murdered, Patrick Swayze, early on in the film, leaving behind his grieving partner, Demi Moore, in her, I mean, hands down, by a by a cruise ship best role. <laughs> I feel sorry for her, that's her best role. That's, that's Why? Amazing. Ghost is an amazing movie, I know, and she's, she's done really so good much, in it. So many things. That, I don't know. I'm not saying anything against Demi Moore. I'm just saying that that is a spectacularly just, is great just performance. Really like her haircut. It is an amazing haircut. It is a great haircut. It's not only because I have a haircut. I think I might have rushed uh, right out and got my what? haircut real short and. Do you know what? Not a whole cruise ship actually, because close to that would be her performance in A Few Good Men. <laughs> One of your kids being <laughs> my mum is like chaos raining outside. Um. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But no, she's really great. Um, and she and and Patrick Swayze's character wants to communicate with her, and he enlists the help of a psychic played by Whoopi Goldberg in an Oscar-winning role, who didn't realise that she could actually communicate with the dead. She thought that she was she was like a you know she was yeah, a phony. She was a charlatan. She was a charlatan. But it turns out that she actually can communicate with him. They together communicate with Demi Moore's character figure out who killed him and why it is spoiler alert his best friend and work colleague yeah played by 
Maybe it is Sam Goldwyn. Anyway. He's so oily. He's so good. He's really, so, really great. And, and, and he's one of those actors who can play incredibly charming, flipping to evil and Perfectly cast in their role. Yeah, he's great. Very good. So they sort it out. They figure out who killed him and why. He gets his comeuppance. And then Patrick Spacey's character walks off into the light, leaving Demi Moore behind, and you die a thousand deaths. And the, oh, well, the song in... In the very famous pottery scene, yeah, is but um, isn't it also playing at the end? Wouldn't, yes, no, it probably it is. No, it probably is. It's um, Unchained Melody. Yeah, Unchained Melody, which now I can't listen to it all. I'm without. so sorry, but my kids in the background. That is crazy. It's just how it's there. It's a representation of our feelings. When yeah, we it is. Goes. That's my that's my soul. So. So it's another film where you know that they can't stay together. I mean, you've known through the whole movie that what's supposed to happen to dead people is that they go off into this light and into whatever the afterlife mm. is. It's so good. It's so good. Why do um, people don't make movies like that anymore? It's so out there and just like... But it's like, it's so satisfying. You know through the whole film that... Sam Patrick Swayze's character is supposed to go into the light. That's what's supposed to happen when you die. Um, and it's really underscored by this horrible ghost that he meets haunting the New York subway. Right. So um, he's obviously died by suicide I or something. Think that's yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. suggestion. Um, and so he's raging around down yeah, there. Yeah, it's like subway. horrible and bitter and stuff. And he also teaches. Sam's and stuff that he needs to know, but anyway, but you know, it's like really, he can't stay. He can't stay with Demi Moore. He has to go into the light, and so at the end, I mean, it's it's amazing because it's so satisfying. Like the plot does everything it has to do, mm-hmm. and it does it really well. It even gives them their beautiful romantic moment together, even though she's he's in. The, you just can't think about that. Yeah, you, can't you just can't think that. about the fact that it's actually Demi Moore making out with Whoopi Goldberg, which is <laughs> not the same as Blake Lively making out with Anna Kendrick. Not really, but. You forget that. You don't really see that happen at all. And then, but then, because all of that's happened, he has to leave. That's the only thing that's that right. can happen. And and it's a really beautiful scene. It's so beautiful. And it's so brutal. It's so like, brutal. It's so but you get that really amazing, amazing, like, um, the vindication, feeling of vindication. When... It's actually making my scalp tingle, just Aww. thinking about it. I might have to watch it tonight again. Anyway. Yeah, it's good. So, yeah, I mean, Ghost, it's really, it's not just a romance. Like, it's definitely, there's there's a few different genres going on there. It's a bit of a thriller and a bit of a... Suspense. And, and there's some great comedy, too. Whoopi Goldberg's character brings excellent comedic relief. Yeah, yeah. Tonally, it all works. Like, they manage to sustain all of that really well. Yeah, this is somewhat, yeah they don't, the supernatural stuff's never over-explained. It's never... They don't tell you anything about the afterlife. Yeah, it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And Patrick Swayze gets to, to use all his physicality and... Yeah. Oh, that bit where they're bringing her... Remember at the beginning they move into this new oh, that's apartment? Right. Bring that. So there's that awesome opening scene where they're smashing down walls inside the yeah, new yeah, apartment yeah. with sledgehammers. Remember they're making like a loft space out of it? Yeah. And Demi Moore's an artist, and there's this bit where they're trying to bring this huge statue that she's made in to the apartment using a cherry picker through a window, and he, like, hangs out the window and, like, wraps his legs around the... Oh, that's right, and rocks the thing. Speaking of things that were important to my insufficient teenage sexuality. (laughs) That's funny. I can't remember that at all. 
You, yeah, you should definitely go watch it tonight. It's so great. And just the romance, the sad romance is so perfect. But it's that, that pathos is the same, it's the same kind of feeling that the other films we've talked about today have, yeah. have of like, oh, I just wish I could articulate it properly, but I can't because apparently I've lost words today. Oh. <laughs> Would yeah. you like to move on to uh, a 45-minute recap of your third film? I think out of all the films we've talked about today, this one is the one that is ends with least sort of longing and and feeling at the end. Well, least love at the end of it. Oh, no, but again, uh, I don't know. Probably more than any of the other films, this is one where from the very beginning you're like, well, these two can't stay together. Yeah. Although really, because I just felt like they... Anyway, even it's right. Marriage Story. Kylie's film of the year. It's my film of the year. And actually, I felt like the end of that film was super hopeful. Not for them necessarily as a couple, but for... No, I agree with you completely. Yeah, it's... They are going to be a family forever. That family unit is, is maybe even stronger than it was when they were married because there's a different... They've accepted each other more after going through their trials and tribulations and amazing Yeah. Acting. And Adam Driver is... He's sort of, his character is put in its place and he's on this sort of, he's in this learning process that he wouldn't have been in if, if she hadn't left about himself and about what's really important in his life and about putting other people first, which he hasn't done at all up until that point. Not even his son, even though he, she says a lot that he's a great father. And there's also that incredibly beautiful scene at the end when he finds the letter that she wrote that she, that he wouldn't read or she wouldn't read initially. And he reads it and realises realizes what his actions, his behaviour has lost him, which is this incredible love, but also that he still has that incredible love. It's just different. I think this is it's definitely a film about two people who love each other but the, all of the other movies that we've talked about they can't be together because of some external reason yeah. right they this can't be together because one of them is escaping the nazis or one of them's going back to america or one of them's dead <laughs> and this in this is, film they can't be together because they just can't because they don't together. work together they just don't work. because yeah. they don't work it's 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 the the reasons in this one are, are totally internal to their relationship mm. so in any of the other films if there hadn't been that external thing they would have been together and and yeah. this, is a, good. this is a, this is a relationship that had 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 run its course almost before it even started yeah, yeah because right. it was never going to be right and yeah. and, the, and you know and they're the classic thing of two people who love each other very much but can't be Can't in a relationship together. Yeah. And I I oh, I just loved it so much. And I know I keep going on about it and I do literally bring it up nearly every day. But anyway, I loved it. I loved the sense that you could build something out of out of absolute destruction <laughs> and mm. yeah. Devastation. And that you can actually be like seriously honest. I just loved I loved it. Be really honest with each other and still Kylie wrote a really good piece about marriage story too that we should link to. Did I? Mm-hmm. Okay. Did I? Yeah, I remember helping you edit it. <laughs> Can't remember. All the best bits of the bits that I edited. <laughs> you did actually make me finish it better than I was would have. I got lost near the end. Anyway, we'll cut that out.
Anyways, also Adam Driver is great in that film, and so is um, Scarlett Johansson, who I've, is not someone I've ever really rated, but I really liked her in that film. I feel I think that Scarlett Johansson is it Johansson or Johansson? I always say Johansson, but I probably I always say wrong. Johansson, but I'm probably wrong too. One of us is right. We'll just keep saying it our own way. And... Johansson. Yeah, Jo Jo Scarjo. I believe is, is her hates, official name. She hates that. Yeah, I know. I think when she hears this, she'll be. I super think she's pissed. she's someone who's um, always had this. Like, it's not like she's ever hidden the fact that she is a good dramatic actress or anything. I mean, think all the way back to like Lost in Translation. Yeah, and, you know, um, Vicky Christina Barcelona. Yeah, but even though those are like. Even though those are like good roles in decently large films, it feels like it's only in this last year with Jojo Rabbit and Marriage Story that people have actually sat oh, up and gone, check out she? Scarlett Johansson being a good dramatic oh, actress. I know. How good was she in Jojo Rabbit? Oh, so good. I mean, and she's oh. excellent in both of those movies, yeah. and I don't want to take away at all from the performance in either of them. Uh, you know, maybe this is the best work she's ever done in her career. But I have read a few things where it's like, oh, Scarlett Johansson matures as an actress, and it's like, what are you talking no, about? Lost in Translation been... came out in 2003. She's always been this good. I know. Is it, is it just because she's played a Marvel character for too long? Yeah, what is it? It is. It's is pretty that much it? that. It's because she did that, and then before that, she did that dreadful Lucy. And, and she was kind Ghost of in the Machine, and she. Oh, Ghost in the Shell. Ghost sorry. in the Shell, yeah. And, she's and she kind of went through action, this. Action period, action yeah. hero. She went through a difficult time. I don't know. I kind of rate Ghost in the Shell. I know I'll probably get I haven't like, seen smashed him. in the face for saying that. But... I haven't seen him. Lucy was dire. Oh my god, Lucy was bad. So bad. It was terrible. Who was the director? It was that French guy? Um, Luc Besson. Oh, never make another film again, mate. Yeah, but he's made some amazing films. He made bloody um. Name one really amazing didn't, Luc Besson. Didn't film. he make that? Oh, am I getting this wrong? He didn't make that thing with Natalie Portman. What's it called? Where she's a kid. What's it called? Kai. Uh, I, I wish you yeah, could we, see we, Kai we Leon, right now. Leon, 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 Leon. Leon. That's it. Um. I'm yes. I'm okay, so that's the one film that Luc Besson's made that was good. Everything else has been absolute shite. <laughs> Yeah, Luke Besson. Leon the Professional. Um, but yeah, Marriage Story. So I think the other the other films we've talked about are weirdly less hopeful than Marriage Story, even though Marriage Story is much more about the deterioration of a relationship. None mm. of the others are about the deterioration no, no, no. of a relationship. No. They're all about... So I kind of messed up by bringing Except, that one No, 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 it's good. I think it's a great oh, example. Gosh. Maybe La La Land sort of is about the deterioration of a relationship. Because yeah, they do kind it's of split up. It's about the whole up, arc of they, their yeah, relationship, yeah. I guess. That's the thing with Marriage Story. That's what you don't get that the others give you is the beginning where they're, where they're in love. The other, like, so all, I, I think what's interesting about Marriage Story is that you don't get the beginning of their relationship or you don't get the bit where they're like really in love yeah, right so yeah. I guess in you know in something like Ghost you don't get the beginning but it does start you, with them deeply in love deeply like in almost love almost in a honeymoon style love yeah love. and Casablanca well it has the flashback to Paris it when, does yeah. but even the he's bit giddy like, with love the, 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 and, and yes absolutely and the now parts of Casablanca are still them very much in love even though there's kind of 
parameters around yeah. how in love they can be. Um, you know, like Call Me By Your Name is about the beginning yeah, of a relationship. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it's the whole thing only takes place over like two and, months or something. And the same with um, Shakespeare in Love. Is yeah, about them right, falling right. right. So except for La La Land, none of those movies have have a breakdown of a relationship because they all end, like, like I was saying, because of something external mm. to them. But Marriage Story picks up at the point of breakdown. There's also a lot of comedy in all those films, considering they're films that end yeah. without a relationship, without a happy... There's no happy ever yeah. after. They're all quite funny. Marriage Story is hilarious. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, there's anyway. lots of points of comedy. Same with Ghost. Yeah. There's there's a lot of comedic moments in that. La La Land, definitely. You can't put Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling together and not. Yeah. I would watch them in anything. The same. When's their next film? They should just go back and remake all of those screwball comedies. Wouldn't that be awesome? Oh. Emma Stone so got that too. She's so got that forties yeah, kind she's of. Got, you know, she can do the. She can do the. That kind fast of broad patter, thing. Yeah. yeah, the fast patter, exactly. Wow, what movies? What I would really like to see her do happen one night, which is one of my all-time faves, which is a really like proto rom com, right? Mm-hmm. That is, oh my god. I mean, we should. No, we should. We should pitch it. She's just write to someone. <laughs> just like pretend what about the apartment? Yeah. Do you know that movie? No, I don't know if I do. <gasps> Jack Lemon and Put quick. Oh, you know she's in like Steel Magnolias and stuff. Um, oh, Warren Beatty's sister. Yes, Warren Beatty's sister. What's Shirley MacLaine? Shirley MacLaine. Jack Lemon and Shirley MacLaine. It's really good. It's really like it's quite political, like in terms of women's rights and stuff like that. I mean, it's not like explicitly about that but there's a thread of that running through it how have i never seen that? oh the apartment's a classic go see the apartment oh, and then let's write a treatment where um ryan gosling and emma stone remake it oh imagine let's do it you hear it here first folks don't steal our idea <laughs> people who are actually good at making movies i think we should do a whole episode about like proto rom-coms or something that's a great idea because I've got, like, so many in my head right now that I want to talk about. But okay. we have totes run out of Let's time. do it. Yeah, we really have. We should really move on. That was super fun, though. It was super fun. How are we going to wrap this one up? <laughs> so this was, po- this was podcast. Every week I do that. This was podcast. I am person. Night. Night. Lord above. This is off script. I'm Kylie Phoenix. <laughs> I'm Kylie Clyde Nixon, apparently. <laughs> I'm Emily Brooks. Um, and it's, it's going to be early to bed tonight. <laughs> next week we're doing... What are we doing next week? I don't think we know. I thought we were doing more... What are we doing more oh, Do we have another... <laughs> more more rom-coms. I can't Actually, remember what out. the Tr- next thing was going to be, though. Um, this has been Off Script. I'm Kylie Klein Nixon. I'm Emily Brooks. And we'll see you next week for mystery episode. Mystery episode. We could do mysteries. We could do mysteries. But if you've got some ideas, this will be a great time to tell us. Drop us a line. You can tweet us. That would be nz underscore off. You can hit us up on our Facebook page. Which is offscriptnz. Or you can drop us an email, which is offscriptnz at gmail.com. Or you can send us a message on Anchor. Mm-hmm. And you can hear us. All over the place now. Everywhere. All Good over. podcasts are hosted yeah. and even bad ones. And yeah, drop us a line. Let us know what you think we should do for if you've got any ideas for us to um, cover in the podcast. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.